0: Welcome to Liberty Lockdown, please stand your code. your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? Today's episode is with Kyle Serafin. He is a current, active, yet suspended FBI agent. And he is essentially a whistleblower. Um, I don't know if he's classified as that legally or technically, but that's essentially what he's doing. He is not speaking highly of the FBI while still technically an FBI agent. I think you'll find this one to be extremely interesting and compelling. I really appreciate him reinstilling my faith that there are some good people that have been in our government at some point. Unfortunately, it seems as if yet another "quote unquote" good one has to leave to be able to you know, honor the Constitution. <laughs> what a shocker, right? Well, this one's uh, this one's deep. Check it out. Enjoy. Make sure you hit like, comment, and subscribe, and uh, and share it around. Let people know. There's some, uh, some truthful, truthful tales getting told around these parts. Liberty Lockdown family right here. And if you want to support the show, go to libertylockdown.locals.com. Sign up to become a supporting member. I do uh, AMAs over there. Actually, I need to do one. I forgot. I need to do one like ASAP where you get to come in on stream with me. We just hang out for an hour and chit-chat, talk about the insanity of the world. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's a great way to support my work and allow me to grow the show more rapidly. So, libertylockdown.locals.com. Enjoy the show. Merry Christmas, you lockdowners. This is Clint Russell. Uh, yeah, I am, you know, a lot of you have always assumed that I'm an FBI agent. So today I'm having one of my brothers in arms on the show, former FBI agent, just like myself, obviously. I, you know, I'm not active duty still. Uh, anyways, this is going to be an interesting one. Um, I actually don't know where he aligns. He The reason we... Uh, our paths crossed is because he sent out this tweet that went kind of viral, basically announcing why he had stepped down from the FBI a few years ago. And I figured that this would be an interesting conversation. As many of you know, I am an abolitionist. I am of the belief that the the institution cannot be reformed, but I don't actually know his position. So this is just going to kind of be a a freewheeling one. Without further ado, Mr. Serafin, thank you for joining us.
1: Hey, thanks, Clint. It's good to be on. I got to correct you. I'm actually, uh, the FBI considers me an active employee right now. Oh, really? Okay, my my mistake. But they haven't paid me um, for like eight or nine months of this year. So I don't consider me an active employee. I think that's (laughs) absurd. Uh, I was officially suspended uh, without pay on June 1st of this year. So we had a parting of ways, but uh, it wasn't necessarily a choice. Uh, you know, I, I started with my whistleblower activities and, and it, it went sideways with them, <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it wasn't because I said, Hey, I'm done. I, I've never resigned from them and they consider me to be an employee. So they think that I need to get their permission if I get another job. Oh, interesting. It's, I, it's well, the, uh, my, my opening when I, when I, cause I'd never been on social media before, you know, I opened up with uh, Schrodinger's agent was kind of like my handle. It was this, you know, at Kyle Seraphin, but Schrodinger's agent was kind of the, uh, the handwritten. Right because I was simultaneously not an FBI agent and an FBI agent, you know, it's like (laughs) only they would consider me that. I don't consider me that. It's absurd. It's crazy. Uh, But that's, I think it's a worth, it's a worthwhile clarification there.
0: Yeah, no, no, it it absolutely is my mistake. Uh, I assumed based off of that tweet that, that I saw, you were essentially saying that you had given up your badge. Is that not, did I misread that?
1: No, you did, but I don't think it meant what people thought it meant. So, you know, I, I stopped carrying the badge in November of last year. Um, I looked down the the barrel of what I had already done and I decided that they were going to come from it. And uh, they had sent me home and said I couldn't come back into the office because I refused to swab my nose for COVID every 72 hours. Um, and, and And I've been a paramedic for over a decade at this point. I had a top secret clearance for six plus years. I had a secret clearance for three and a half years in the Air Force. So if you can't trust me to not come in with the sniffles... (laughs) <laughs> uh, then I shouldn't have a clearance. And that was an argument that I made in writing to them. So when I did that, uh, you know, I took my badge. It, we all get a badge that comes in like this, you know, standard credential holder. And you, you pop the ba- badges like on a pin, like a big lapel pin. Um, and I, and I generally, we take it out, we wear it on the belt, right? That you have to mm. buy a little leather guy that goes with, it. it's like 20 bucks. So that was my leather piece. So I took that home with me. I just took their badge and I stuck it into the bulletin board on my, on my cubicle. <laughs> and I just knew that they would come for it eventually. And sure enough, they did. They actually came for it on April 18th and took it. So I just wanted it in a place where they knew where it was. So they weren't like going to my house to search for it. Cause I don't need the FBI at my house. That's not what I want. Um, yeah uh, that's how i feel
0: too even though sometimes based off of what i say on my show i feel like it's going to happen regardless
1: (laughs) yeah any any day right it could happen for sure um
0: so yeah i mean this is going to be even a more interesting conversation since you're still technically i guess an employee of theirs um yeah yeah well i think that's that's an interesting place to begin are are you able to speak freely about the fbi at this point
1: yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm willing to say anything that is true, number one. Um, sure. The only restrictions that I'm holding myself to, um, because they, theoretically they had me sign an NDA, and then they also sent me a letter the same day that said, you've been released of all your duties and your responsibilities as an FBI agent. And, and my attorney, who's a good a good guy, he's 100% like pro firearms uh I mean, his handle is like, you know, has two A in it. Um, He actually does a lot of uh, fights on behalf of uh, the, you know, gun owners of America, firearms policy, coalition. We're looking at this and it's like, well, these are, you know, these disagree with each other. One appears to say that you're restricted to certain things. The other one says that you've been uh, released from all of them. So the only lines that I draw, I don't don't talk about things that are national security related that are, you know, um, uh, actually classified. I wouldn't endanger any operations that are ongoing. I won't endanger any investigation that seems like it's legitimate. And there are plenty that are. Right, I mean, there, there are things that are being done inside the FBI that are not evil, but there's also like any bad management policy, you know, stepping over lines that are pretty obvious to the American people. Like it's, it's, yeah, full send on that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: well, fair enough. I, uh, I think that you know, just uh, you've already heard the intro. I, I am an abolitionist. I, I have, I have come to the conclusion that it's not reformable. But uh, obviously, there's some good people that work there. I Unfortunately, I think you're probably one of them and you don't really work there anymore. So that's, uh, that's that's always, I I think when you have institutions where you start to see the people that do value the Constitution that go like, I'm out of here. That's kind of a sign of what I'm describing (laughs) that perhaps it's not reformable. So what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I'm in the same camp right now. I set up my, my tent over with you guys. Uh, you know, I, I didn't always think that way. Obviously, you know, there were times when I tried to do some things. There was stuff that I saw right away uh, internally, you know, in, in maybe like 2018. I think my uh, an attorney sent a letter to the Office of General Counsel at the Bureau and, and said, this is an issue. You know, what you're doing is making us all be perjurers on a regular basis. Um, I'll kind of expand on that. Every time that my surveillance team would go out, the way the FBI agent works, you know, every FBI agent assigns their hours to a specific case, the the same way that you would do if you were a lawyer, you bill it to a case file, Um, you bill it to a specific type of case. And so, you know, billable hours. Yeah, except it's really just to to keep track with Congress. That's what they do. You know, they report back. There's certain federally funded mandates. There's some unfunded mandates. I'm going to sit up a little bit. Um, So all these, uh, these hours are, are logged in a specific way, blah, 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 whatever. Um, we swear and attest to our timesheets on like a Wednesday, but they don't close out until a Friday. So I've got to predict the future of what's going to happen next. And it's not easily changed. And then uh, because of the way that our um, paycheck works, there's a thing called LV, uh, AVP availability pay or law enforcement availability pay. It's called LEAP sometimes. It's a 25% premium on top of the GS scale. So when you see that an FBI agent makes $65,000, he actually makes 25% more than that. Mm-hmm. It's, but they don't pay you overtime. Unless you're scheduled overtime, so uh, and, and our system doesn't actually allow you to work scheduled overtime unless it's pre-approved. But it can't be pre-approved if you know you're forecasting of the future and suddenly you call me up on a Saturday. Um, the funny thing is, is, I can only work scheduled overtime, and I got scheduled overtime in my surveillance job all the time. We'd work like 14 days in a row because we're following somebody. You know, you don't want to lose continuity of, of uh, you know knowledge on the subject, so on and so forth. Sure. So. On a regular basis, you know, we would turn in a surveillance report that says that we were all doing our job on a day that we all swore that we weren't working. It's just, it's like, it's a defense attorney's wet dream because all you got to walk in there and go, is like, well, hey, when were you lying on your time card or when you were following my, you know, my, my client around? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, on my time card. And they're like, cool, what else did you lie about? That's called right. Giglio. There's a whole court case involving, and you know, Giglio is the type of material that says you can no longer testify. That removes you from being a testifying FBI agent. So now mm-hmm. you're useless. Um, as a federal investigator. So this was a thing that I saw years ago, like four years ago, probably better part of, if not, you know, maybe three, four years ago. So it was never addressed. They just were like, no, nope, like no response. no, Nobody cares. So you try to fix things internally because that's the right way to do things in general. Sure. Uh, yeah. Lowest level, you know, I, I was a military guy. Uh, so lowest level chain of command, that sort of thing. Um, if nobody cares, that starts becoming a problem. And I think the line where I decided that this agency is screwed and it is, it's screwed. Like you're not wrong. Um, it, we, we found that out in 2020 and we found it out in 2021 when they introduced the uh, executive order saying that everybody had to get the COVID shots. And when that MRNA, you know, treatment mandate came down under executive order 14043, that was it. Everybody realized where they stood and 10% of the agency said, I'm not going to do it. I have a religious objection to it. Some people just said, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to. That seems reasonable. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty reasonable guy. I don't care if you spend your own money. Like, you know, you're, this is a libertarian type audience. So, you know, you don't want to spend your own cash to get elf ears or split your tongue and have a forked tongue and look like a snake, like have at it, but don't use my money for it.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Right. Like, I don't care what you do with your money. Like if you don't want to do weird things, you want to have no nose or you want to do the, you know, <laughs> you know w- whatever you're into, it doesn't matter to me medically, like what you choose to do with yourself, right. but you start involving children who are not at the age of consent or you start forcing people that are outside of your you know, your own personage, I'm done with you. I, I have no use for you. And so when people start making that, that argument, um, and then I, that this is why I don't think it can be reformed. So many of the supervisory level, the GS-14 level, the GS-15, uh, plenty of the SESers that probably were sympathetic because, you know, they're kind of old school. Some of them are halfway decent human beings, I think. Um, they all said, you know, I've got a mortgage. I've got alimony. Yeah. I've got bills. I got a car payment. I'm paying on my wife's Mercedes, whatever it may be you know, I can't stand with you in this fight, but I know it's wrong. Like my person, my, my own supervisor said that. He's like, I got alimony and I, I just yeah. I can't do this. I'm two and a half years from retirement. Um, my supervisor before that is now out there writing for town hall and telling people, you know, that the FBI has so many good men and women. It's like, you're a coward, dude. Like you hid in your office and stayed away from this. You literally called me and told me that. I'm just going to wait it out. And then he did. Now he's got his pension. Now he's got financial security. Now he's willing to go and talk to everybody. You're like piss off, bro. I got no time for you. Yeah. I got no time for those people. So that's yeah. why the agency has too many of those people in it, unfortunately. There's plenty of wonderful human beings that do a great job, and they really care about the Constitution. You know, they're warriors from from our actual wars. Um, right. You know what I mean? Like, they, they fought that fight, and and it doesn't matter because they're outnumbered. They're outnumbered five to one at this point. So. <clears throat>
0: yeah. So so put, put them
1: Put them somewhere good, wherever that good thing is.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's where I was going to go next was a percentage, but you just gave it to me five to one. Sounds uh, something like, like that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's 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 one guy's estimation from the people that I've met. But uh, no, of course, you know, of course. Like three thousand people said no to the shots. That tells you what you need to know. There's thirty six thousand people in the agency. Wow. So what is that? So what is that? That's and some less, people got it. Vol- there's plenty 10%. of people. Right. Some people got it voluntarily. They were like, yeah. "Hey, I want. Th- I want." No, this. no. Of course, of course. I don't have any problem with those people as me long neither. as they're not coming to me and saying, hey, bro, this is happening for you because right. you got to protect like my grandma. It's like, well, I'm not, I don't know your grandma and I don't actually care. It's none yeah. of my damn business. Stay away. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I,
0: I'm the exact same way. I, I, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily advisable for these people to have gotten it, but they're right. certainly welcome to do it. I also don't think it's advisable to get your face tattooed, but uh, you can do it if you want. People um, do, yeah. You could drive a Prius. I just, I don't want to. <laughs> it's just
1: not my thing, right? It just strikes me as gay. But that's just, I mean, but that's, that's also it. well, okay. It's, it's because it comes with a purse, I think. <laughs> I've never been to the store and looked at it, but I'm pretty sure that's what they do in the shop, right? So, well,
0: well, this is this is actually interesting because uh, you are former military as well, and and what I see is a similar issue in the military. If Lloyd Austin being a good example of this kind of lunatic class leadership from my vantage point, Uh, you know, really focusing on wokeness and inclusion of trans people in the military. And we're like, we're ramping up towards fucking world war three. And they're like, we got to make sure we have as many trans people. And, you know, it's like, what, what are we talking about? Like, is this a real thing? And no, no, I'm not casting aspersions towards the trans community. And there's probably some trans people that would be awesome soldiers. That's not my point. Just saying, the focus
1: seems totally crazy to me um yes so also well, I, I i got into this in the twitter space i was on the twitter spaces for uh twitter file six drop yeah um which was a taibi one so so full disclosure i've talked to taibi for several hours i think he's a really good dude so my my way in on that guy as a human being and this is prior to the twitter files by the mm-hmm. way so he and i were talking before that he's talked to my buddy steve friend i mean it's very fair he's he's sharp too i mean he has yes penetrating questions like everybody who's fair knows that about him anybody that's against him now like they're falling victim to the psyop unfortunately that's that's the way i would say so let's so let's i'm in this thing and they go you know what's the issue with the fbi how did it get so sideways because the fbi was a very conservative place like they hunted commies right Mm -hmm. like like they went after martin luther king because he was upsetting the social order true which is kind of a right-wing you know turd thing to do Um, (laughs) and they did a bunch of things that are illegal and immoral and you know just awful Every every decade, like you can go find all kinds of sins of the FBI. It's not hard. Of course. So so how do we get to a place that's left wing? Because that's that that is like uh it's like the old shift of the Democrat-Republican parties when it comes to civil rights. And everyone's like, well, how did that happen? Well, they just changed the the terms. Mm-hmm. But in the FBI's case, it's different. I think what happened is that after 9/11, this is my argument, the FBI went from a like maybe a five or a 10 or a 20% intelligence focus, which it always had, you know, small. Like the premier job in the FBI was running down bad guys of whatever they may be, whether it was white collar fraud and doing Enron or whether it was going after bank robbers, which was your 60s and your 70s kind of big deal. Right. Like those were the heroes of the agency. The guys who were getting in gunfights that were going after bank robbers were like, that was it. I mean, they used Mm -hmm. to hire gunfighters like Hoover used to go find dudes who had killed people. Uh, like, you're like, how many of you killed? Like four. It's like, ah, eh, we usually like five, but okay, whatever. We'll take you on, <laughs> you know? So th- there were guys going through, going after gangsters. They were going after all the guys in the thirties that were like the Dillinger gang, right? And the Bonnie and Clyde and all that. So we have this focus and those guys are like, you know, you know, a little bit left of Attila the hunt. probably not right of, but left of just a little bit. And they were just hardcore America and they'd done wars and all that. Then after 9-11, we start moving that focus. And it probably went to like a 50-50 to a 60-40 and maybe a 70-30 at this point, split towards intelligence in favor of intelligence agency first. That's the 9-11 molar legacy. And so when that happened, um, you start having a bunch of information. That's what Intel agencies do, right? Yeah. They just have it. And, and you can't just have information. You have to analyze it. And then you have to create metrics. And then you have to create bureaucracy behind it. And all of the things that I loathe, and probably you do too, Um You know, and probably your listeners mostly, too. It's like Mm -hmm. all the things that that come along with government information and analyzation and so on or analysis, whatever, they're going to do all that. And then they start arguing for position points, because Mm -hmm. once you have it, you can't just have information. It's not like it, it doesn't come without some sort of a push one way or another. They have a feeling about it. And when you start bringing analysts in, analysts are a very different animal than operations people. Like I'm an operations guy. You know, I was a paramedic. I'm hands-on, literally touching things that are broken or sick and trying to make a, a difference in that. When you're analytical, you want to like write a term paper about it and assess your feelings on it. But you're going to write it in very academic terms like it's real. It's not real. It's just your feelings. Um, so these analytical types are educated with masters. They have PhDs. They have a lot of time in academia. They've been, they've been really indoctrinated for a very long time. They have those beliefs that they're bringing along with them. And that's where you get an ideological shift from the guys that are carrying a gun that want to stop bad guys and just want to let everyone live and let live. Because yep. I think that is very, com- you know, we're outnumbered. Um, agents make up 14,000 of that 36,000. So even though agents are probably generally speaking a pretty conservative bent that's not all true right now because we're recruiting differently just like the military I'll get there of in a sec but sure. <laughs> just the fact that we have a, a generally you know sort of conservative group of people as agents we're outnumbered already 3 to 1 like assuming that we were all in lockstep uniformity and we're not of course right all right and so that's part one so you get all these intel people all the support people and they're all very educated and a lot of them live in DC and they're just like government jobs that are just there you know, I mean, I used to tell people that, and this is probably offensive to some people, but it's just, it's just factually from my observation. If you were to go into any government building, like at random, just choose the most common government employee. It's like a black female between 35 years old and 55 years old. And she has a blanket on her lap and a space heater under her desk. And she's watching a show and she will not talk to you during her lunch break. And, <laughs> and, and I've met like, like so many of those in every different agency. The FBI is full of them too. Uh, they're not bad people. They're nice ladies. Mm-hmm. But they found this job and then they don't do very much. And they're paid like a pretty comfortable salary to do that. But they live in the most expensive place. Like DC <clears> sucks. <throat> it's very expensive. Right. And so they're kind of living, you know, they're, they're living paycheck to paycheck still, which is rough.
0: And right. which means they'll never yeah. say no if they're told to do something that's unconstitutional.
1: Correct. And really, I mean, it's a domesticated existence. and I mean, that's true for everybody. I mean, there's guys that are like, you know, like white guys in the 50s that I work with, too. And they have the same thing because they've created their own debt problems, which is mm-hmm. always, you know, that's kind of the root of your servitude. Mm-hmm. And. So these guys are out there and they're trying to make paychecks. They're trying to make alimony because they had a bad divorce or they got married when they were in the military or as a cop and came out and screwed it up. And so all these things may happen. And, and then you have these people that are just literally reliant on the federal government. We had, we had food kitchens, like, like they had uh, food pantries in the base of Washington field office during the sequester, which I want to say was in either late 2018 or early 2019, they shut down and we didn't get a paycheck for like four days. They were sending out emails, checking on us every single day. Meanwhile, nobody has checked in on me. I haven't gotten a paycheck for like eight or nine months this year. I'm still fine, by the way. Like all my kids are eating. Like I'm good. Right. I'm going to fight this as long as it needs to because I am responsible for me. It turns yeah. out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> nobody wow. Nobody else
1: cares. They're not coming for us. We could talk about the military recruiting too. I, I just think they're recruiting people um, from a very different basis now. A lot of FBI agents are more educated and less experienced. They're younger. Um they come from straight academia. We'll hire people right out of CPA school with minimal experience. You know, one, two, three years is, I think three years was the standard when I was going. But I mean, man, you could be 25 and you're a moron. Wait, t- I mean, I was a C- moron at 25.
0: CPA years. school is that certified public accountants?
1: Yeah. So we hire accountants. We hire cyber people. We hire linguists. So if you have oh, those skills. Oh, for financial and like,
0: crimes and shit like that.
1: Yeah. But they don't assign you to financial crimes. You're probably going to go work like Chinese counterintelligence. Like that's what I did. Like I'm a paramedic with a like a military background. And they were like, <sighs> non-operational, sit and look at Chinese FISA. You don't speak Chinese? No big deal. We're not going to sign anybody <laughs> who does around you. So you'll all be confused. They finally gave us an analyst. For two years on my squad, we finally got this analyst who um, you know, who could uh, speak Chinese. And we were super excited. We get there, and she shows up, but she can't read it. And everything I did was written. It was all oh, email. Or... So like, what, what, what are they doing? <laughs> I, would, I would send off like a picture of somebody's driver's license that came through some of our like collection uh, platforms. <laughs> And I would ask for a translation, and I'd get it back like six months later. And they'd be like, "We finished your document," and I'm like, "What did I ask for?" And then they'd be like, "Here it is. It's a driver's license." And I'm like, "What's a driver? Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. It was six <laughs> months ago. It was. It was like. It was like I just fired it off. Like that looks interesting. It looks like a document, like yeah. not relevant to anybody at that point. Good um, lord. And so, so no real world application. No, no um, real time ability to do anything. That's and, and, and like for a guy like me, like I'm used to looking at an EKG and deciding whether or not we're gonna. You know do compressions or whether we're going to administer a drug like that's yeah. like literally to the second we're interested right. in that right. and then you're going to give me something six months in arrears like i don't even know, don't know. okay Thank well you. yeah i mean that would be like
0: offering narcan to an overdose Person six months too late. It's like well, Well, after after you buried them, like you bring it to their family and you're like, yeah, exactly. Like prove the Narcan. We we were willing to help, but we just had to run it up the flagpole and see if we could get. You know, it's like, what are we doing here? But but what's fascinating though is like they're still they're still able to. And by the way, I think that that was incredibly insightful about how academia. And, and and the academic world and having these agents come out of that arena as opposed to like field operators in the military and the military that makes perfect sense to me I think that that answers much of my questions but what doesn't make sense to me is that while while you can explain away the the political shift or the the worldview shift that's occurred, I don't understand how with the bureaucracy they are still seemingly capable of targeting in a pretty, a pretty cogent fashion american mm-hmm. dissidents uh, particularly right-leaning ones uh, i'm thinking of the gretchen whitmer case obviously right. um what the fuck is that like why if you guys aren't able to do your jobs very well because the bureaucracy is so crazy why are they able to pin you know bs charges against a bunch of guys who are just basically like not super pro-government
1: right so I spent a lot of time thinking about all these and I think I have a fairly decent answer for you, which is probably, which is probably interesting. So um, it all goes back to 9-11 again. All right. So we've moved into an Intel focus. A lot of money comes in from Congress and it's counterterrorism money. Okay. We got like a a Gulfstream 550, like the one that the director flies around that was bought with counterterrorism funds. It was supposed to fly CT squads to go pick up evidence or go do investigations or post-blast analysis in places where it needed to be. So, you know, that's where big, big money is. Right now, it's uh, probably, you know, it's $300 million is tied into, um, you know, to international terrorism operations section, like $300 million, mm-hmm. uh, maybe more. So a third of a billion dollars is sent on this kind of thing. That's a huge amount of money. And they've already, like, that's not covering, like, salaries or anything else like that or buildings or facilities. Those are all different line items. So just those types of investigations get a huge amount of cash. So here's what I think happened. After 9-11, everybody doesn't want that to happen again. You look like you're old enough. I'm old enough to remember where I was when that happened. I watched the towers go down. I watched the second one fall, you know, got hit. I watched the second one get hit, you know, and then it it fell first, obviously. So that was a big, you know, impact. And a lot of us were kind of like, hey, uh, we need to never have this happen again. And if that's the case, like people who now are loath to agree with a, a Patriot Act, We're we're kind of with it. They were like, yeah, we can't have that happen. That's not acceptable. So I think a lot of us in the last 20 years have seen our feelings change. You know, I enlisted in the military years after 9-11 with that same mindset. So, so that's there. The Bureau looked outside and said, and DHS was created, right? And so there's a lot of money. It wasn't just the Bureau. It's all the intelligence communities. Uh, They were looking externally for this outside threat. So we're looking for Al-Qaeda. We're looking for eventually ISIS. We're looking for Al-Shabaab. We're looking for all of these like nasty foreign actors that are going to come and hurt our house. How dare you, right? Right. So you start with that. And then we have a really, really effective military, like uh, historically, um, we might be slowly undermining that. There's still a bunch of killers that are in the of Marine course. Corps that sign up to do that. There's a bunch of killers in the Army. Like I'm friends with guys that have dropped, you know, warheads on foreheads overseas and done real, real damage to bad actors, um, you know, and, and made them go away. And so they, they effectively created such a capable fighting force overseas that their job, and, and, and there's special operators who have explained it, like, is the war really great over there? No, but we're doing it so they fight us over there. So they're not fighting in our house mm-hmm. and they're willing to go over there and fight. And, you know, and some and men have died for it so that the, the fight is not near us. That's that's the operational end of the military. Very effective. Well, when you start looking at that, it's very hard for them to export terrorism to us because they're too busy dealing with us over there. Right. That was this. That was the, uh, the legacy of the Afghan war, I think. And so the FBI and the DHS and these other guys created a secondary bridge. And this is where it got really dangerous. They found scumbags in America. I don't know. I just use whatever word, but, scum, you know, people who are ideologically screwed up. And they decided that they were inspired by ISIS. They were tying their allegiance to Al-Qaeda, but they were from here. They're second generation Americans, sometimes they're immigrants, whatever it was. And so those are called homegrown violent extremists. Everybody's probably heard that HVE. That's the specific definition. It's, you know, from here inspired there. Okay. Okay. And so the HVE is the bridge because we went from looking overseas at these problems and then we brought them and we started looking for the guys that had that same problem domestically. Mm -hmm. Now we're looking inside of our own house. Once that happens, all bets are off. It, it's, a, it's a natural mission creep. Uh, people who are in the military that are in law enforcement or have seen government, mission creep is always that, like, looking for a reason to exist. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I have a capability. Where can I apply it? Like, you know, yeah. I have this hammer. Where are the nails? Well, yeah. when you start looking for nails inside your own floorboards, you start <laughs> banging things out in your house. So HVEs was the bridge, in my opinion. And once that happened, that opened the floodgates. So now we have what's called DVEs. That's the new thing. And that's been more or less since I've been in the Bureau. So 2015, 2016. Hi, it's me. It's domestic you. violent it's, extremists. It's, it's me, exactly. And so every domestic violent extremist, they have all these flavors of it, right? Because we're we're a government agency, you got to categorize them, you got to classify them, you have to, you know, have some vague statement of ideology. So what do they look like? First one, racially violent, uh racially motivated violent mm-hmm. extremists. Okay, that's your white supremacist, basically. It should be black supremacists too, and it should be like, I don't know, Mexican supremacist, La Raza or something, but it's just Those, don't, those don't exist, Kyle. Come not, on. Not that we can find. So uh, not that we can find on the white supremacists either, by the way, because I, I no. did. A bunch of those cases. Like, I mean, I, I've done, you know, more than a dozen of those where I was like some kid in khakis who's like probably like racist tweeting or, you know, sending off stuff on Reddit. And he was like, ah, like I hate the Jews. It's like, you're an idiot.
0: You're 22 you're
1: right. and you're probably going to marry as a Jewish girl in your 30s because she'll just yes. be awesome. Like that's exactly. just the way that like irony works in the universe. Like I'm a pretty yeah. religious guy. I think God has a sense of humor. So, uh, that's funny. So. So I think that's probably true. So anyway, so you've got the uh, your racially motivated violent extremists, okay, um, and then it's like, well, what about people that have guns? Like that's your militia, you know, uh, your militia violent extremists. And so I put out a piece on there. Um, if you saw Chris Ray getting yelled at by Ted Cruz with the you know the boot, um, you know that was a, that was my document that came from one of my buddies who saw it, sent it to me, and said I'm disgusted. He's a military veteran who's lost friends overseas. He's you know he was a combat vet Marine, and um, He's like, this is not okay. Like, those are our patriotic symbols. Like, we're allowed to use those, which we are. So we put that out. So you've got now you got militia violent extremists. The new one that I've seen, which is really fun, there's two anti-abortion violent extremists. Which that was actually a thing in the '90s. I remember when there was like people running around like blowing up abortion clinics and shooting. Me too. I don't remember why that made any sense at the time. Like now, I'm a dad. I'm a like I'm a father. I, I think that killing off babies is really awful. So I'm, I'm very pro-life. I'm not in the pro-choice camp. I was probably ambivalent for a long time. Me too. I can't, I can't draw a line around a baby after conception that doesn't include, you know, like that just on facts that doesn't include people that we all agree are people. Like you can't kill a vegetable. You can't just go stab somebody in a hospital. I've, I've treated people in persistent, you know, vegetative states. I've seen people that are in comas that will come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't just go like slice their throat or like, you know, suck their brain out. That's not okay. Like we would all lose our minds. Right. So babies fit into that same category for me in a lot of ways. Like they're 100% dependent, but they're another person. Yep. So for me, that's really straightforward. So I don't know about, uh, you know, abortion, violent extremists. They don't really exist the way they did in the 90s when they were doing the bombing or the sniping or whatever it was. And when it happens, like, I, yeah, well, I detest violence for that sort of reasons. But Of course. Uh, but, but, not, but, now, not, but now they just go not, and they sing songs in a lobby and they get arrested. That's right. This you know? is not okay. So so that's weird. And then we moved into our new favorite one, which I'm sure you and I are both on these lists as well. And that's going to be the anti-government slash anti-authority, right. which is very vague, violent extremists. Um, right. And so violent extremists is really negotiable, like what the violence actually is. <laughs>
0: yes.
1: It's like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Mike Glover, but Mike Glover runs a podcast called Mike Force. And he's a you know, former... Um, He's a, a retired sergeant major from, uh, from the Special Forces. And, oh, nice. he has a, you know, he's got a company in, in Utah that's called uh, Fieldcraft. And he was listed as the, uh, you know, a, a militia that was mostly online with a low history of violence. Like, it's called American contingency. It's just people that have, like, bonded together to be able to, like, share generators in the case of, like, power failure or, you know, share food if things went sideways. Um, and So and what, really what was the low history of violence? Well, low includes no, but when you're an analyst, you use words that don't mean things that you and I would use it to mean.
0: Oh shit.
1: But that's incredibly offensive. And so Jim Jordan's yeah. office has written letters to, you know, the FBI mm-hmm. saying this is BS. You can't do that. And so, you know, th- when you say low, it includes like zero to ten percent, maybe. I don't know. Wow. Like, like they have words that mean things that don't mean things to normal people because it's Intel speak. Right. And it's very, it's it's really offensive if you ran a company. If someone said that your podcast has a low history of inciting violence. Right. It's like I, have, like, I have
0: no history. Why, what, low? What are you right, talking that's about?
1: It, but that's included in low. So Yeah, that's yeah, the no, case. I get it. That's, that's playing with words, which are really dangerous. Like, like I said, these vague definitions are really, really scary. And how do, how do you deal with that? So, um, you know, that's where I think the bridge happened. I think that is the, the mission creep that uh, there's a whole um, video I did about it, a podcast, if people want to hear 25 minutes of that. Um, and I may have been more articulate at that point, who knows, but, uh, but I think that is the the, the way that it, 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 crept over into our boundaries.
0: Okay. Well, that, that answers a lot and, and, uh, it makes perfect sense. And and for the record, this is as a long time, you know, second gen libertarian, the, this is what we warned about with the Patriot Act. This is why we opposed it. Even though I, I held the same, you know, instincts and feelings that you and, you know, millions of Americans did as well Is like. These people came and fucked us up in our house and we have to go blow them up now. You know, I felt that way, too. Right. Uh, But I I just I just felt like the Patriot Act was such a such a dangerous increase in the federal powers. And as is always the case, uh, eventually those powers are used domestically. And I mean, Edward Snowden demonstrated much of the, the creep that was happening pretty, pretty much instantaneously after the Patriot Act passed. And. And you started to have domestic spying and things like that, because if you had any conversations with anyone overseas, well, then they can get you and then they can get anyone that you talk to. And it's like, okay, well, all of a sudden, you know, six degrees of totalitarianism, uh, (laughs) they're able to spy on everybody. And and it's just it's just very disturbing that we don't have more people in positions of political power that find this as appalling as I do and you do.
1: And I don't understand that. I, I don't either. I don't. Maybe they're scared of the people that they're coming against. This whole Chuck Schumer, you know, the intel community has six ways from Sunday. Like yeah. I don't know. The, the intel su- community is full of a bunch of nerds too. Like we should right. also just say that. Like um, everybody is scared of people that are willing to to be truthful. The truth has you know it doesn't need a lot of armor. It just kind of runs through like a wild animal, and. You know, I'm, I'm not an info anarchist by any means. There are things that need to be classified. There are things that people in America have no business knowing, only because they're, like, they're morons. They make bad choices, right? <laughs> so, like, there's, I mean, we all know them, right? We all know people that just do dumb things. You look in their garage and you're like, oh, oh, that's, uh, I don't think so. Like, you shouldn't be ac- having access to military technology. You probably shouldn't have access to some of this information. But there are plenty of responsible people that should. And I believe that the default position, which is what the Freedom of Information Act was designed to do, the default position should be transparency and yeah. it should be by exception that we hide certain things like launch codes and certain locations. And like, I don't want everybody knowing like what the agency, if the CIA is doing weird stuff overseas, there's some good things the CIA does for all its, you know, for all of its mistakes. I'm sure I know good, yeah. good people that work inside that agency. Like I'm friends with a couple and mm-hmm. you know, they're doing things on that you would want them to do. Like, you'd be like, I'm really proud of that, but like, you'll never know. And that's okay. They don't want you to know. And it's for their safety. That's really it. It's like, is there a good safety reason? But like, I'm going to hide information because it embarrasses the agency I work for. Screw you! Like we own your agency, guy. Like that's that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you do that? So,
0: yeah, you know. uh, I mean, what what concerns me though is that the because I don't know the good that they do because they don't really advertise it. Right. Um. It it strikes me that <clears throat> you know at least from my my side of the fence, coming from a position of quasi ignorance, is that what they what I do know that they do is by and large not good and you know from even from the cia perspective of you know toppling dictators and and creating power vacuums in nations that ultimately end up being (laughs) the rebels that we support today are the guys that we're we're fighting tomorrow yes And, and and you know we have so many examples of this overseas and i feel like this is once again it's now kind of coming home where it's like, well, it seems as if you know Black Lives Matter protesters and things like that were, and Antifa, for instance, were not treated very aggressively com- compared to the amount of violence that they were bringing about. Um, whereas you know the right-leaning people who aren't even being violent are getting the books thrown at them, and and I just I just feel like we're we're headed down the same path where like as they focus and they harp on this potential rise of domestic violent extremism, blah 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 blah. That they're really creating it because there's so much, there's so many people in America that just love the Constitution and they just want to be free. And and if you're going to label them a terrorist before they've even done anything, thought about doing anything, but you're just going to like broad base paint all of these people who are like good Christian Bible thumping, I just want to have my guns in my church and leave me the fuck alone type of people. Well, you're going to create some real radicals in this country. And it seems as if, like, is that the plan? Like, is it just an accidental mistake? It's very confusing to me.
1: I don't know if it's a plan. I don't know if it just happens to be beneficial to what they're trying to do um, because they're trying to, you know, justify budgets. They're trying to make their predictions be true it's like we we say that white supremacy is going to be the biggest you know domestic danger so we better go find some white supremacists you got to fulfill that if you're going to be a government agency i mean that's that's the ice cream cone that licks itself right the self-licking ice cream cone metaphor is very realistic it 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 exists because it exists i was told when we were doing intel gathering i said you know what's the purpose of this information what are we going to do with it and they would go um well then we'll know more things I'm like yeah that's no that's what that's what will happen but like what will we do right like what is the what is the kinetic outgrowth of this particular uh, action that I'm taking or this, you know, information, you know, research. And they would go, well, we'll use it to get more information. It's like, I don't want to do that. That sounds boring. Number one, it's boring, but more importantly, I don't understand where that goes. Like, how do we even take that? I think a lot of the stuff that the CIA does, and I think they probably do more things that are good than bad, or at least they try to, they're a lot like a doctor uh, from like the 1850s or something like they're chasing a problem. They don't necessarily understand. It's the same thing we did with, let's say, heart disease, right? So we chased down and we're like, everybody who died of heart disease had high cholesterol. So that's correlation, but not causation. So let's go just attack cholesterol because cholesterol is bad. Well, it turns out it's probably not. Um, There's probably a lot of things that are going on there and we don't understand it. So we just poked into one part of the, the sand mound and things started spicking out the other side. And so we've created new problems because we don't know. And now you're dependent on a drug, which is really helpful to the pharmaceutical guys. But essentially, it's not clear that you've actually solved the problem. I think the agency goes in and it's like, that guy's the problem. Let's get rid of that a-hole. Boom. And knock him down. And then it's like, now they created a power vacuum. And they're like, oh, power vacuums are a thing. Now we've learned something. So they're doing science. like They're literally learning. But the scientific method is really messy when you do experimentation. But we're seeing it in real time with other people's lives. And they're not American. And, you know, it develops a lot of hate towards our country. And it turns out then you end up with things like 9-11 or whatever else. Like, those could just be rotten humans. But a lot of it is because we're over there, like you say, creating creating insurgency states that we end up fighting later because their ideology was never really aligned with ours. And what are we doing with them anyway? Like, maybe just leave them alone. Maybe yeah. just let them do whatever the hell they do over there. I don't, I don't necessarily care. Um, unless you bring it to my house. I'm Like, I'm 100%. Like, I'm pro Coast Guard in a really weird way like i love the coast guard like i yeah me too like i think it's awesome uh they do really cool stuff they like they protect our borders i feel like those are the guys i love guys in border patrol you know my last neighbor was a border patrol guy he was a super good dude um i love sheriffs you know i love yeah, local oh, sher- when, sheriffs when they the them. Um, i just had an interview i just sat and did it like a job interview with the sheriff's department and um and, you know, just an awesome guy who's like writing back and telling the governor, like, piss off, like he, he's in Washington state. And so the governor is saying, like, hey, you need to create a gun registry. And he was like, number one, I don't have the money. Number two, I don't have the time. Number three, you don't have the authority. And they were like, well, just use all the forms that we're sending to you. Because apparently in Washington state, every time you buy a gun, the sheriff's office gets the form that says you bought a gun. Right. And so this, this particular sheriff, he took those forms and said, our SOP is to put them in a shredder because I don't have any place for them and I don't know what to do with them. And I don't want to do anything with them. So he just shreds them. So it's like, go back to your forms. They're like, oh, they're gone. Sorry, bro. Like, you didn't put that in the law, which is I know, great. I know,
0: I, I know he's being professional, but I wish it was number four. This is
1: America. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> well, he has that. You know, that's his private opinion, I'm sure. I know, um, I know, I know. Um, or I know, rather, because I've heard things that fact. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? And here's the thing. He came out of the FBI. Like he's a bureau uh, guy interesting. Um, and he's a Navy vet. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. when you, so there are these people out there, they're out there and there's yes. a lot of us um, and we're the ones with all the guns. So I don't think this goes the way that they think it does because the people in the military that know anything about weapons, that know anything about explosives, that know anything about, you know, how to do violence. There's two things that are really true. Number one, they don't want to do violence. Right. Like period. Anybody who's experienced violence is not a big fan of it. It's not fun. It's not cool. Um, it's sort of a last resort of course you know? and then the second piece of it is which is probably really yeah. important too is that they side on the side of freedom that's why they're willing to do violence because you're willing to take on that I mean there's there's emotional and physical burdens that happen when you go and do violence overseas yep. or here no um, doubt. you know co- cops don't walk away from it feeling great nobody does
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, unless you're a psychopath in which case you're on the other team or you're on team crazy whatever which is an, which is a real thing like there's you know team crazies out there too of course but, uh, but I just yeah. don't think it goes well
0: well we'll see this is what's it, this is what I guess foments the conspiracy theorist realm is that you see stuff like you're talking about your, uh, you know, affection for border patrol and stuff like that. Well, you can see there's a pretty clear intentional opening up of the border that's occurring, uh, in my view. Um, yes. I mean, to have millions and millions of people that are flooding the borders every year and to have essentially catch and release policies and, and to be, you know, giving verbal, uh, I don't know, encouragement, basically, from the highest levels of, of power. and it's I think the high, that...
1: It's the high-level, guys. It really is. I mean, yeah. when you look at the guy, like, it, you want to find the most, like, patriotic, like, rah-rah America people? Like, go find a first-generation Mexican guy that became a Border Patrol agent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I'm just saying, there's like... there's nobody that is more aggressive, um, right. you know, for advocating for – and they want the border shut down, too. And they're like, get the hell out. Like, who are, these, who are these scumbags coming over our border? We don't know anything about them. Get them out. Right. You know, shut it down. They'd run them down with horses if they could, I think. But they're also – because they're conservative, generally speaking, or libertarian minded, they believe in freedoms, they're not going to go infringe on another human being in a way, you know, because it's it's antithetical to our belief, we kind of believe in systems that are supposed to protect, you know, the minority groups that are supposed to protect um, smaller thinking. Right, that that's what freedom is. Like we have to protect sure. people that don't agree with us. That's where it's really difficult. The the side on the left, I would say, the political left, they have no compunction with violating their own standards on any given day. No, and and people on the sort of you know wishy washy right don't either. Yeah. So it's it's people of principle, which I would almost say is probably sixty, maybe seventy five percent of this country. Just you know, um, anecdotally. But they want to play by the rules. If the rules are being violated, you get screwed. Like you know that too. Like if somebody's like, "Oh yeah, you have to put the ball in the hole to get a point," and then somebody else is like hanging on top of the basket, like dropping balls down the other side, like you're screwed. Like that's not the same game.
0: Yeah, it's not not a level playing field for sure. And I think that this is this is what a lot of you know libertarians um, battle with internally is is trying trying to figure out how how you are to win in a in an unfair fight with people that don't share your values for liberty or logical congruence um and and basically they're they're playing a totally different game they're playing a power game and we're playing a human liberty game and it's like well when you have those two forces meet uh the power people are probably going to
1: win out because they're willing to
0: do really dirty shit to win Um, they are so what's your thoughts uh,
1: on that Look, I mean, it's been written all over, uh, you know, literature. It's, it's an age-long struggle, I think, for for man yes. as a species. <laughs> I think we've yeah. always seen this, right? Um, if you are willing to use the same tricks as your enemy, then you become like your enemy. Right. And so that's a warning that's been given to us throughout literature, throughout scriptures, throughout any number and, you know, there's a reason why you're supposed to turn the other cheek and, and, and why Gandhi is so interesting to people and why Martin Luther King's nonviolent resistance are so incredible because they're human spirit triumphing over, you know, like human evil action. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um but it's really hard to do that. <laughs> it's really hard to do that also when the technology and the tools that exist today don't exist in the same way that the uh, – this, I think the, the mental manipulation is so much faster right now. You talk about the PSYOP or whatever it is. Like, uh, you know, what people are experiencing in this country, and I know, um, you know, General Mike Flynn talks about this. He actually has a new book about it as well. and People can go look for that. But the concept of fifth-generation war, it's you – know, like, if you tell somebody – they look at you like you're a lunatic. I don't know if you guys talk about this on your podcast. but yeah, I'm, I'm 5GW is the anxiety that that people that believe the way that I do are feeling right now. They just may not have a name for it, okay? And so 5GW is using a non-kinetic means, non-weapons, non, you know, strikes, non-explosives, whatever to manipulate and win a war, but the war is happening here. So Alex Jones's infowars is not poorly named. You know, he has some terrible ideas he also seems really funny and like i think he'd be really fun to talk to just hell yeah he he seems like a total wild man um and i don't have to agree with everything the man says to to fight for his right to say it sure Uh, so so that's what my oath said i did it a couple times it's not you know like it's non-negotiable i'm 100 behind nazis being able to speak as well and yet i'm gonna speak and say that they're fools like like, you can't take them seriously so that's the that's the the dynamic that we're in. And the other side is playing the game of like, I don't like what you have to say, like you're talking about guns or freedom or whatever it is, you want to be able to worship in your own church and not wear a mask to the grocery store. And we're going to crush you. And we're going to take you out of the you know, the public debate. and We're going to shut down your bank account and all this stuff. Right. That's we're not playing by the same rules. I don't know how it goes. I think there's a lot of like really decent people that are going to move, um, you know, in a, in a Christian perspective, they're going to go from the Jesus of turn the other cheek and love thy neighbor and love that, you know, love thy enemy. Um, they're going to move to the Jesus with the whip of cords who's turning over, you know, tables in the temple There, there was a wrath, there was a rage because Jesus was a human being as well as being, you know, a salvific God like figure or, you know, Mm -hmm. God's son. So for that to be the case. You know, I think there is a small example. It's very, very narrow and it's appropriate. But, you know, he came in and saw them abusing God's temple. In some ways, I think a lot of people in America believe that we are the city on the hill. We are the peak of what, you know, humanity can achieve given the right outcome. But we've gone down the other, you know, we went over the top of the hill, hit kind of peak liberty, and then we went down the other side. We may have to course correct and figure out how to do that. And I'm not sure how that happens. Yeah. it doesn't seem like it's going to be uh un- it's not going to be a comfortable change one way or another i hope no. it's not violent but i think a lot of people have a sense it might be
0: yeah well that that's definitely my concern is you know as you said uh, i i'm i'm also of the the not a fan of violence camp i i don't want to go that route but i i do feel as if you know they are pushing the people that that want to be free but also want to be peaceful into a defensive posture that yes. they're like look you're you have pushed me to a line, to a limit. My back is against the wall. I can't go any further. Like, I, I'm i just, I'm done. I'm here. Like, you, yep. like basically, my, my feet are planted in the ground, my fists are balled up, and I'm ready to fight. And that's that's, that's where millions of Americans feel, particularly after these fucking vaccine mandates, which yes. just, like, shredded our cultural cohesion entirely. Uh, yep. Totally evil behavior. But, um I get sidetracked because it just as you can tell by the name of my show Liberty Lockdown like I started my show because I was so furious about what was occurring and sure. and it's just it's just so disturbing that that we have our own government and and people that I'm sure in many ways I could agree with and I would probably love some of them but yes. they are they are putting us in a position of hot conflict in America amongst yeah. Americans and that just is heartbreaking to me and I just want them to realize what they're doing and turn back and I don't know if, it, if we can actually get that message across.
1: I don't know either. I do know that, you know, just because 5G is a, is a bigger number than 4G, 4G is like the counterinsurgency, insurgency type, you know, and then third, third generation is modern warfare using all the, you know, the, you know, air and ground and, and sea and so on. And so when you look at it, it doesn't mean that you can't go from a 5G war into a 4G war very quickly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: right i mean we've always done some form of you know a psyop or or a 5g warfare that's always been a thing it goes back to vietnam before that it probably went back to the germans we were doing information misinformation campaigns we were doing dropping leaflets in places and tell them hey we're gonna do this thing we did or did not so we let the uh, fbi know. was doing it fbi was doing it to martin Luther King. <laughs> Sure, of course they're sending <laughs> him letters telling him we know you're an adulterer and we're gonna you know you should kill yeah, yeah. yourself because we're gonna release it so there, there's no question that this kind of thing has always happened like human beings are manipulative like at our you know At our worst, we are very, you know, we are um, not necessarily to be trusted with our own, you know, minds and our own skills because it's really dangerous. And yet that's the freedom we all have to get into. So the only way that we live with that is that you're responsible for your actions. Right. Um, And what we're seeing right now is a lot of people that are not being responsible. You know, nobody is like how easy would it have been if people came out um, instead of doing a vaccine mandate or, you know, you know, therapeutic mandate, whatever the hell those shots are because mm-hmm. uh, you know I'm, I'm not getting it <laughs> so i don't know um so whatever that thing is what if they came out and they were like look this is the data we have we think it's really good you got to make your own decision if it makes sense take care of yourselves you know and we're all in this together and like love you know love each other this is all right. america is going to come out of this okay some way and we, we're probably going to lose some people one way or another man yeah. i'm not mad at those people ever but we can't do that right now because, and I think that, I think that honestly, this is an information dark age in a lot of ways. Um, when you look at the way that we have tools that we don't know how to use, right. you know, we've in- it's kind of like when the, um, when the, when the middle, uh, middle ages happened or the dark ages happened over in Europe and they had like a Roman aqueduct, but they didn't understand how to maintain it. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. So it always worked. The water came down, but they don't know what it does. Um, we've inherited this like really wild technology and we've created it as, as, you know, in my lifetime. To right. share information in a way that has never been a thing. Um, we don't know what that thing does. My wife and I were talking the other day, like the average age of, of young men looking at pornography is like preteen. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a thing when you and I were kids. No, not, at like, all. not even close. Like, man, you had to work, work, work if you wanted to see a picture of a naked lady. you know what i mean am i right like we had to oh yeah totally you had to steal a playboy you had to find a guy's dad who had like cherish
0: it when you found it
1: yeah and then it would go into like a locker somewhere and nobody would ever see it you know it's like you wouldn't tell your friends you had it or if you did it was like a like bragging but then you put it backward in your little (laughs) lockbox whatever you know i had buddies that had like little stashes of stuff and it was hilarious but like but that was the nature of that thing and now it's so open that like you know 11 or 12 year old boy has a tablet he's figured out how to unlock it or get around it uh, whatever mm. the parental controls are, or he's found a website that's not, you know, censored. And bam, he's seeing things that you and I didn't dream of in our 20s. Right. And right. so, and so that's a big thing. Like, I don't know how that changes the human mind, but having the idea of even sex on demand is very strange yeah. for, for people. It's just we don't know what that means. It's a right. thing, it exists. I'm not saying it's good or it's bad. I, I feel like for as a father of daughters, it's probably bad. Um, right. but we don't have the rules even set up in our own minds on how to deal with that. And then it's also the same thing with sharing our information. Like you and I can talk. This is surreal. It's a really cool thing. I could have this conversation from a plane if we had the right technology available. Like it mm-hmm. exists. Yeah. You know, we can have phone calls from 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 being 30, 40, feet in the air with no wires. Right. That's new. That's no, all new. I, yeah. But the what is it mean? Technology.
0: Yeah. Right? And 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 I think that social media is a great example of that. It's a d- double edged sword. I right. like one my mental health is probably getting impacted in a bad way because I have so much serotonin and all this insane shit that's happening. But I'm also able to reach millions of people every single month through my Twitter account or my YouTube or whatever else. And it's like, I could have never done that before. That's for damn sure. So it's, uh, it's a very interesting time to be alive and one that we are Humanity is not really equipped for or adapted to at this point, and it'll probably take a long time before we get adapted. And we may have World War three between now and then, and that's going to be really uh, tumultuous. I hope we can avoid it. Anyways, uh, Kyle, I, I got to run, man, but I, I really have appreciated this conversation, and uh, you have you have redeemed at least one FBI agent in my eyes. I, I am glad to know that there's some more people like you, uh, you know, still within the organization, and. You know, I guess we'll just pray, pray for them, pray that they have the courage to stand up and, and speak truth to power and do what you've done. And I, I hope that uh, your your fight in that in that process uh, comes out you know, to your benefit, because you certainly deserve it. If there's anything that my audience could do to support you, go ahead and let them know.
1: Um, we've got a Gibson go that's supporting one of the guys that nobody knows his name, but he he co-signed on a lot of the work that I did. he He followed up and and, you know, I, I exposed this sort of parents threat tag that they were talking about. You yeah, know, yeah, 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 I was I was one of two people that came forward in the bureau. Uh, my buddy went and pulled and showed Jim Jordan's office the actual investigations that were being done thirty nine mm. or so. He pulled the names of the subjects. so it's it's irrefutable that it was happening. Great. Um, he he uh, you know, has a a one, or a three-month-old daughter, a two-month-old daughter. Right now, he's got three children. They got kicked out of their house, so we're we've thrown money their way. You know, it's Christmas time, so I've, I've people have been very generous on the give, send, go. It's just my name. It's gifts and go slash Kyle Seraphin. Um, it's a pass-through, really. I don't know how that's going to work for my taxes. I'm going to have to figure that out later. But I would rather just make sure my friend is not, you know, in a place where he's in a bad spot. We have a couple other guys that we're trying to support if they need it, whether it be, you know, uh, retainers for attorneys and these kind of things. So they can do that. They can follow me on Twitter. You know, that's my handle right there you see next to my name. Twitter, True Social, whatever people are into. You know, I I answer a lot of the comments people give me. People are always surprised. It's like, no, let's read this. I don't have a job, bro. I don't have a job. (laughs) This is my job. job I got time off I'm I'm participating in this in this 5G right now. Like I'm I'm on Team America yeah. from from the 1980s that I grew up in. Me too. Um, you know, Team Freedom. I want to pe- have my kids be able to go to a, a theater and not worry about them being seeing like you know transsexual weirdness. Um, <laughs> so I'd love to go and see some of that stuff. You can never get the 1950s America back. I'm sure it wasn't as good as they say, but um,
0: you know, I, I take right,
1: 1990s America though. Man, I, yeah. Even with the parachute pants, like I still take it. You know, like the <laughs> the MC Hammer multicolored garbage and all that hey bring then, vanilla um, ice
0: back he's still alive it. i'm, I'm it, ready to
1: rock <laughs> it did see like there was a lot of cocaine involved in the fashion design choices but like whatever i'm for it like like do whatever <laughs> makes you most happy and stay out of my business Don't i'll, make I'll you say this
0: the the cocaine era was definitely more productive than the oxycontin and a heroin era that we're living through now so it's obviously um.
1: that's going to be the case right stimulants do do work and uh, yeah. depressants put you on your ass so it's very <laughs> straightforward how that works but yeah i appreciate it you know i've, I've really enjoyed chatting with you and and your audience wants to follow me and engage, I'm happy to do so. And I can share information. I answer a lot of weird questions that people ask me because I'm not scared <laughs> of it.
0: No, no, you've, you spoke very openly and honestly, and I really appreciate it. If anyone wants to follow him, that's listening. It's at Kyle spelled like normal, Seraphin, S-E-R-A-P-H-I-N. Thank you so much, Kyle. It's been a blast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Glenn.
0: Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your
1: barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?